And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The race is off. As the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix has been cancelled because of flooding in the region, a decision not only made because Imola is impacted, but also the terrible scenes throughout the area. I'm Ed Straw, and joining us to explain why and what's next are Johnny Reynolds and Val Haringi. Well, Johnny, this is a, a fairly seismic moment. It's a slightly makeshift podcast lineup owing to people being in unusual places with the travel disruption, but you are the podcast overlord of the race, the producer, the man who makes it all happen. Are you suggesting I wasn't first choice for this podcast, Ed? That's um, that's very. Sad. We scraped the barrel. We scraped through the bottom of the barrel, and then there was you. <laughs> well, uh, it, it doesn't matter. I'm delighted to be here um, and be the other side of the microphone for once. Used to uh, editing these shows, um, but delighted to appear on it. And we should say, Johnny is in a former life uh, an F1 journalist as well, so he certainly knows his stuff, so actually great to have him along. And we're also joined by Val, taking yet another diversion from the world of the two-wheeled. You must be getting used to the four-wheeled stuff now. I mean, you say that, like, I've always just been a MotoGP specialist who you borrow for Formula One. It's not like... I've, I've spent more hours in my life working F1 than MotoGP, I'm fairly positive. It's either an even split or it goes, I think it goes towards F1. So you, you misrepresent me. I, I take huge umbrage to that. Well, it's all about building a caricature, that's what it's for. But your presence is very much welcomed. Of course, we don't have Mark Hughes or Scott mitchell Malm. Both were in various degrees of going to Italy or being in Italy. I very cleverly chose this as one of the couple of races that I skip in a year and do from home. So good decision from me. But obviously, a terrible situation emerging there. And, and Val, th- this has been building over the past few days, the past week, hasn't it? So did this decision surprise you? I mean... Uh- Yes and no. Yes, I think if you told me a few days ago that this was going to be what happens, uh, then I think owing to the fact that I'm just not very good at keeping up with non-sports news, 
it's genuinely very bad at it. I, you know, I think all of us saw earlier this week reports that there was going to be serious weather trouble in that region, serious stuff. And usually maybe it's a slightly callous reaction, but the way I, I felt about it, because it was reported adjacent to what it would do to the Formula One race, my first thought would be they'll put on the race. Like it always seems to work out more or less. Apart from the last race we had, like properly canceled, officially canceled. It was a global pandemic breaking out. So I I expected them to put on the race. But then obviously every bit of new info, any of us got everything we saw on social media from obviously from Scott and Mark. It became increasingly clear that, yeah, this was not tenable and that even if it was tenable logistically, it would potentially be a, a truly horrifying look to try to push on and 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 put it on. So, you know, by the time the I think it became very, very clear that the race was not going to happen when the deputy prime minister uh, of Italy, who's also the minister of infrastructure, I think, uh, basically recommended for it to be canceled. Like at that point, it's not happening when when a, a figure that high up says it shouldn't happen. I mean, nobody's going to go against that. Yeah, I mean, for me, alarm bells started properly going off when I was watching the uh, Giro d'Italia cycling race over the last few days. Uh, for those who may not know, the Giro is a three-week cycling race that tours around Italy. And yesterday's stage was held in Emilia-Romagna in truly terrible weather conditions. There was there was talk before the start of either shortening or cancelling the stage, but eventually... Uh, as these things happen, it took place, um, although riders later described it as one of the worst they've ever ridden in, in terms of conditions. Um, the fact that that stage took place gave me some hope that, you know, sport often prevails, whatever the weather, but clearly the situation there now is just too dire. So uh, this decision had to be made. Yeah, I had some of the coverage of that one on television. It was certainly pretty grim, those conditions. But it's important to note the way the reasons were presented. It wasn't just that, oh, there's a bit of flooding around the circuit and the event can't happen. It's the knock-on effect. So they needed to cut back on the number of people who are flooding into the region, the infrastructure suffering. So you don't want to put extra pressure on it, on the services, etc. So there are a lot of reasons why this needed to basically be cancelled. I think the only thing that really surprised me was how quick and efficiently it was done. I thought it might be spun out. Like you, Val, when you started hearing the top of government basically saying, yeah, this race needs to be cancelled, I thought, okay, we're moving towards it. But I expected there to be a much more extended period of back and forth. So I guess I guess that's to F1's credit or to the authorities' credit that at least decisive action was taken. I mean, unfortunately, we can only properly judge it, you know, who did the right thing and how and what exactly happened when we find out. And if we ever do find out, you know, who took the decision and who's taking the financial brunt of the refunds and not getting the the TV money, whatever happens in, in the contracts with the consolation, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's easy to say that it doesn't matter because... In, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. When you look at the pictures of, you know, the town's flooded, it doesn't matter. When you read the mayor of a town 50 kilometers from Imola saying that this is the darkest night in the history of Romania, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who pays for the F1 race not to go ahead. I mean, those, uh, oh, you know what I mean, who pays for the F1 race not going ahead? Because all the people involved have have a lot of money, a lot more money than the people who have been left without their livelihoods 
in the region of Romagna and, you know, had worse things happen to them. I think it, as of the latest, as we've seen on Reuters, three fatalities, I think. Just horrific, obviously. Obviously very dark and, and, and very sad. But yeah, I was, I was, I, I also was impressed with the with the swiftness, but at the same time, I think even if you didn't have the consideration of trying to unload the region and the region's services, you know, the firefighters and the ambulances and sort of help them focus on the right thing, even without that, even if you could fit in the F1 race and make it work within the ongoing efforts, I just, it doesn't work as a look. It just it, because it, it it goes against F one's whole like ethos and ideas, this traveling circus, right? So it 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 makes sense for a broadcasted package because most people who would have watched the Emilia race are not in Emilia Romagna, of course. I mean that's that's true, but F one positions itself as as the traveling circus, and the circus does not come to town when there's catastrophe, and so you know even if the race was stageable safely. You can't you can't have it close to what is happening on those streets. You can't run Friday practice when you know a town nearby is flooded to the extent that it is flooded. And maybe maybe it would have eased off by then, but you know it, it, it doesn't matter. Like it's 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 good that we just come to this decision and we know now, and it's you now it's basically it's a very smooth way for it to work out. And I'm not I'm not particularly interested. I guess who pays for it and who doesn't because that's in the grand scheme of things doesn't doesn't really matter. For to me, I guess it does matter to some people's bank accounts, presumably. But yeah, I completely agree with everything Valis said there. I think the right decision has been made, and it's been made at the right time. It's also worth noting that Stefano Domenicali is from Imola. Uh, he was born there and certainly used to reside there. I don't know if he still does. Um, so this is a situation that I'm sure he'll be feeling on a very personal level, irrespective of the Grand Prix going ahead or not. Yeah, I think. The one thing I would add to the fact that the optics meant the race couldn't also be held, I think there's also a counter-argument. It's not a an overwhelming one, but obviously if the race could be safety held and it didn't have a negative effect on what was going on around it, which I admit was unlikely, then it would have been good to proceed with it because it'll have an economic impact and you don't want to add a negative economic impact unnecessarily on top of what I imagine will be some horrendous economic toll as well as just the damage and the death toll and all these other things. So it's... It's a difficult situation. That's why I think it's quite good it's been done quickly and effectively. In particular, the fact they didn't get into that thing of just working out all of the details first. I think sometimes you know a decision is right and you have to say, right, this has to not happen. We have to do this. We have to be decisive and say this isn't happening. And there's details we'll sort out later. That's something they didn't do so well in uh, in Melbourne in, in 2020. Obviously, that was when things went quite badly wrong but it was a slightly more fluid situation a more uncertain situation because the COVID-19 pandemic was a slightly more unusual turn of events obviously flooding is thankfully relatively rare but it's a common thing that sometimes areas unfortunately have to face but I think from that perspective and I wrote a piece saying F1 and the authorities have dealt with this quite well and decisively and I guess it's certainly better I'd say, Johnny, you're probably well qualified to comment on this because you were inside the F1 organisation working when Australia happened. I would add you weren't anything to do with any of that side of things, but you'll have some idea of some of the chaos that was going on then. So from the outside perspective this time, it does seem this has been much smoother. 
Yeah, and, and as you say, these these are never decisions that are taken lightly. There's multiple factors that are involved, and I would say there is always uh, an extremely strong desire to hold the race. And I, I don't think that's purely just a cynical um, money rules decision either. I think it's a genuine um, feeling of people wanting to go racing and um, people inside the, uh, the organisation who... Um, live for for going Formula One racing. So I'm sure every kind of contingency would have been looked at for for how we could go ahead and and hold this race. Um, But to make the decision early, as you say, I think in the circumstances, looking at some of the imagery that's been uh, emerging from um, not just the area, but from specifically from the circuit, it looks like it was the only decision that could have been made anyway. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, hotels are out of action, transport links weren't there. So there were a thousand reasons for it uh, for it not to take place, certainly. And they did look at contingency plans. For example, they considered whether it was possible to run it as a truncated event. So perhaps something a little bit along the lines of what we saw at Imola in 2020, if people remember in the COVID year, that was just a two-day event because of the logistics of it being back-to-back. So they were thinking, right, we know this is impacted. Is there a way to save it? But ultimately, there there just wasn't. That's just sometimes the, the way things are. If anything, it's a surprise. This sort of thing doesn't happen more often. It's a relief as well. But I must admit, coming back to the original question, whether it was a surprise, when all the problems started arising, my, my general thing is like, well, these things often flare up and don't prove to be a problem. I can think quite a few races that there were problems surrounding. But ultimately, they went ahead fairly as normal. But it reflects how serious the situation is in that area. And obviously it's absolutely right and proper that the focus is on sorting out that and helping people who've been displaced and worse some truly terrible images coming out of that area now we may not have scott with us for the whole podcast but he loves sending in a report so he arrived in italy this morning and by now is probably boarding his flight or in the air so let's hear what he had to say about the situation on the ground it feels like every time I find myself in Bologna Airport, I'm doing a, a roving report for, for you and the podcast, Ed. But um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm now making my way uh, back home, as I suspect quite a few people are, are doing. If they're not already here at Bologna Airport as well, they'll be, they'll be on their way to make uh, emergency arrangements. But we're obviously the lucky ones. It's um, effectively our... Um, luxury to be able to to relocate home now in emergency situation rather than the people who have had relocations forced upon them and don't have anywhere near as much of a privileged position in in doing that people have lost lives thousands of people have, have lost their homes so i feel like this was the only responsible the only conscionable decision that that could have been made some people might argue it could have been made a little bit faster but having been in contact with um, senior people at F1 and the FIA over the last 24 hours and then obviously been here in Emilia-Romagna since the early hours of this morning and as I was on a, a very early flight I could see just how quickly the situation was developing and how specific the, the problem was to different parts of, of the region just for example Bologna Airport which is only about 30-40 minute drive from, from Imola is raining obviously and quite a sustained rain but not terribly so and no obvious signs of flooding immediately around that kind of built up area but as soon as you went even remotely further afield into anything you might consider a bit more rural there are road closures um, floods it gets worse and worse and, and worse depending on how close to a water source you are and then drainage uh, situations and, and whatnot so 
I think F1 played it correctly in terms of just waiting to see exactly how bad the rainfall was. But once it was bad, maybe even worse than, than was feared, when you've got loss of life, when you've got people being displaced, you can't hold a, a glitzy sporting event in, in, in that kind of area. The, the right thing to do was to allow the, the focus to be on the relief effort, which is exactly what's happened. Um, it's a shame to lose a Grand Prix, but a lot of people have lost an awful lot more. So I think this was the, the right thing to do. And those of us that are inconvenienced by it should just feel incredibly grateful that all we are is inconvenienced and not in a situation anywhere near as desperate as some poor people in the Emilia-Romagna region find themselves. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's talk a little bit about some of the implications now and the knock-on effects. Johnny, what do you think are the chances of this race being rescheduled? Slim, I think, Um, which is such a shame because I, like so many, absolutely love Imola as a racetrack. Um, Very aware that it might not always be on the calendar with the the pressures that come from, from other venues. It's going to be very hard to find a place in the calendar for it and it's it's not hard to see why is it i mean the, the schedule is already incredibly congested from this point onwards um of course we've we've already had this big gap where the where the chinese grand prix was supposed to have slotted in in an ideal world so that kind of adds to the disappointment from a purely sporting perspective of not fitting this race in but you know we've got plenty of races this year and two more coming up incredibly quickly. So I don't think, personally, I don't think it's a major worry to lose this race from the schedule from a from a purely um, sporting perspective. Um, for lots of other reasons, it's, it's slightly disappointing um, that it's likely, I think we can say, that this, this race probably won't resurface on the calendar this year. I'd love to be proved wrong. Yeah, it's just very, very difficult not just to find a slot, but one that works logistically for F1 and that works for the area and the the event hosting it. So there's a lot of challenges there, although we should say F1 haven't uh, ruled it out. What do you think, Val? Are you of a similar mind or do you think there's some heroic way to make it work? After all, F1 specialises in doing the impossible logistically. I mean, I don't don't think so. I mean, everything, everything we've had certainly points to it being unlikely, I guess you you never know at a certain point. if it's if it's so much of a financial burden not to host it, then they'll do everything possible to uh, to slot it in somewhere. But no, it doesn't it doesn't sound like it. And I guess you know part of the reason to have a sixty race calendar is that you can survive an event or two dropping off and still you know put on a, a comprehensive representative season. And I think a lot of us already feel that the. F1 calendar is reaching saturation. And that doesn't mean that Imola is the saturation point. Imola, of course, uh, a beloved track. Not sure how actually good it is for like F1 racing right now, but it's a good legendary track that drivers enjoy being at and that is, you know, watching cars go around it. Always quite nice. And F1 tries format stuff with it, which is, you know, I also quite welcome. I mean, you mentioned the two-day thing. This weekend was supposed to be the qualifying alternative tire allocation 
version in which you run Q1 on hards, Q2 on mediums, and Q3 on softs, which would be the first time with that with that sort of format. I guess we saw a bit of a precursor in Baku with the new sprint qualifying medium. Was it medium, medium, soft, right? Was it in Q1, Q2, Q3? Yeah, so this would be a bit similar, I guess, but slightly different. Would have been interesting to see. I hope they find a new place for that trial this season because I think it's just, just interesting to see how it goes. So that, that falling by the wayside is a, a bit of a shame. Obviously, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. But I, I, I can only caveat that so much. It just, you know, add that to the end of every sentence. Uh, no, I don't. I think it probably doesn't find a way back on the calendar this year. I'm guessing they will maybe tack on an extra year to its camp contract and make it up that way. That's, I think that's the suggestion, but I, I should cite my sources there and the sources is i think i've read some italian media suggest that so not a not the the best citing of a source you will hear on this podcast or any podcast but that that sounds to be sounds like the idea yeah well there have been quite a few race cancellations in recent years not so many on the eve of the event but because of the impacts of covid and that kind of thing we've had all sorts of, of races being called off and yeah in some cases there has been an extra year added in other cases not so it all depend on the discussions they have imola has got a deal up to 2025 at the moment so hopefully this won't threaten that in any way i know it took quite a lot to pull it all together because it was just a stopgap imola originally it was a circuit that could hold a race so it held one in 2020 and they thought well, this is quite good and they were able to pull something together with some local businesses getting involved in funding it etc so i hope that this doesn't affect the, the longer term future there's one thing we should also mention johnny is sort of various people on social media suggesting, oh, why don't they just move the race to Magello or Monza? This track's free. As you're our XF1 person, again, you weren't in logistics, <laughs> but I just assume you spent all day looking at what everyone else was doing when you were working for F1. Obviously, uh, not quite as simple as that. Yeah, not quite as simple as that. Um, aside from anything else, I mean, we've seen some of the images on um, social media of, of parts of the uh, TV compound there, uh, being submerged in in water, so I mean, just yeah, I mean, it comes as no surprise to anyone. There's an incredible amount of effort that goes into organising and broadcasting a Grand Prix, most of which uh, will largely go unnoticed by fans watching at home. A lot of it largely unnoticed by those actually probably in attendance of the race, given that a lot of that organisation occurs before people arrive on site. You know. For example, purely from the broadcast side alone, there's an enormous amount of pre-event activity involved from setting up F1's event technical centre, which is essentially the hub for all of the content data and feeds, which are then sent back to the UK to be uh, to be produced and broadcast, laying thousands of metres of cable and wires around the track, positioning hundreds of microphones, all the camera positions around the track. All of this is done before, you know, at the time we're, we're kind of recording this podcast, you know, things will be being finalised on that front, um, but started long in advance of the of the teams arriving. Um, so all of these things make a last minute change of venue incredibly unfeasible. And that's before you factor in the fact that, you know, the racetrack itself is is flooded. So moving any equipment in or out is more difficult than usual. And, and it's possible that, you know, some of that equipment may now be water damaged as well. So yeah, the idea of shifting a race suddenly um, a few hundred kilometres down the road is is not really feasible on any front. Just to, just to do a slightly better job of citing my sources, I mean, some Italian media, including Creare della Sport, cited uh, 
quoted the uh, president of the local sporting authority, ACI, as saying that it's 99% likely that there's going to be an extra an extra race tacked on to 26 in the contract, which you know, means no race this year. Um, yeah, of course, F1 and the FIA would have to confirm that. So we've not heard from them, but that's that's the Italian view. Yeah, and that would be a good outcome, I think, for everybody if that works. But as we've talked about earlier, I'm sure there'll be plenty of discussions going on about the implications and the financials, etc. They haven't said officially what's going to go on with ticket refunds and that kind of thing, but I can't see there'll be any reason not for there to be refunds for the simple reason that this isn't like Spa 21 where something happened. It's an event not happening at all. So I don't know exactly what the laws are in Italy about this kind of thing, but I'm sure it will mean that those who are going will get uh, will get refunds for certainly for the tickets, although obviously travel costs and that kind of thing, some of those uh, those those will not be uh, recoverable. So yeah, difficult for anyone who is planning to travel to the event, but ultimately uh, an easier thing to deal with than if you're on the ground living there and caught up in the the floods. And Val, finally, obviously, this is very low importance compared to the real-world disaster ongoing, but we are an F1 podcast, so we do have to consider this kind of thing. What impact do you think it'll have on the teams and the season as a whole, if any? I mean, it's not. It's it's going to delay things, obviously, and more even pertinently, just you know, missing the one race that would have been a prime opportunity, like Barcelona in past years, you know, the start of the the start of the European season proper to introduce your big first upgrade packages for those teams who haven't done it yet. Um, those teams will now have to wait until, coincidentally, I think Barcelona, those teams will include Mercedes, whose Imola update, whatever it actually will be, is you know majorly, majorly anticipated to see what bold new direction they will take trying to rectify their spluttering start to the this Grand Effect era so far. Um, you would not want to bring the new package, whatever it is, and that I think goes for most teams in Monaco. I just wouldn't want to do it. It's just not not a great track for that. I think the only way you would do it probably is if it's if you're so confident it's so much better and it's still fairly similar to what you had before, or if it's just some sort of downforce monster. And you, you need a downforce monster for Monaco, but otherwise. Monaco is not a place to back-to-back things. Monaco is a place to where you send out your driver in FP1 and presumably just keep the car more or less the same while they move closer and closer and closer and closer to the barriers. And if you somehow try and have them test stuff at the same time, then they're going to find the barriers as part of the back-to-back. And that's that's your weekend. So it it, it shifts things more than by, by, by one race. Presumably it shifts them by two. So that's the knock-on effect. But still, you know, in a... 20,000 race calendar that's not that big yeah it's actually quite an interesting decision for Mercedes to make there I would say normally you probably wouldn't want to bring your updates but they might just think oh let's just press on with it there's also the question actually of your spare supply as well because they'll have wanted to run down the old spec spares so they might actually be a bit light on spares of the old spec as well so they might have to for that reason so interesting to see what they decide to do there my gut feeling is they might press on with it even though normally you wouldn't I mean, I guess an extra, an extra interesting consideration is also so you've removed a full weekend of mileage on engine components, not to mention other stuff from from the calendar, and this comes after. Well, first of all, after the fact that we've already lost one race, but secondly, after we've expanded the engine allowance as a result of the I think sprint negotiations. So 
I wonder if that's going to have a knock-on effect in seeing fewer engine penalties than we otherwise would have at the end of the season. But it's still, it's really hard. It's really hard to tell now. I mean, if, if like lots of engines go pop in Barcelona, then that negates that instantly. So we'll see. But still, that's, that's probably also an interesting one to consider. Not that they're going to undo the expanded engine allowance, obviously, but just it's sort of a, a double hit now of the extra allowance and the missing weekend of mileage. Well, it all changes the way teams have to do things. It just shows the knock-on effect. Everything's so precisely planned and mapped out and strategized in Formula 1 that something like this, it will have a very, very big difference. But obviously, there's not much of a gap because the Monaco Grand Prix follows straight after. It was a triple header anyway, so there's going to be no lack of F1 action. I guess it's just... uh, I guess guess the irony of the whole thing, Johnny, is there's been so much talk about F1 going up to 24 races. But in the past few years, it's proved impossible to get to that number. There's always trouble going on that means just races get cancelled. And it's just a, it is just a slightly amusing little, I think it just shows how difficult the more races you've got, I guess, the more chance of something like this happening. Yeah. And I think probably, sadly, we're going to see more of this in the future, aren't we? If we say these weather-related incidents are a result of climate change, then we should probably brace ourselves for more cancellations and stoppages. You know, Imola is one of the tracks that's always going to be at risk because of its proximity to a river, but that's not to say that other events won't be impacted too. I mean, I don't know what the impact's going to be on Monaco, whether there's going to be difficulties for getting kit from Imola uh, to Monaco. I know there will be the slightly different kit used um, for some of the team equipment, for example, that will have gone there already um, and probably from a broadcast perspective as well. But, um, you know, we don't know when the, the the weather will subside and when the floods will retreat and so on and so forth. So uh, I'm not trying to suggest for any moment now that Monaco is definitely going to be impacted, but it'll be interesting to see whether there are any knock-on effects to the organisation of that particular race. Well, it's an interesting point, actually, because Monaco is a weird race because of the location. I remember when it was back-to-back this way round probably going back about 10 11 years now i think it went spain and monaco mm. and they actually had trouble because when it comes to setting up the paddock there obviously all the teams have their trucks normally the trucks can just pile into a circuit but at monaco you can only get in a certain number at a time they have to all sit in as a holding kind of car park up on the top of the hill so you can only have a certain number in and i remember us getting there and on the first day of practice obviously this was when the first day of practice was thursday rather than uh, Friday, or certainly the, the media day, which was on the Wednesday, rather, they were still building like the McLaren motorhome, so they were well behind with that. There's the extra day, but if there's restrictions on how quickly you can get everything taken down and, and moved on from Imola, despite the fact there's no race, there could be some logistical challenges because Monaco is such a, a ludicrously shaped place fundamentally. So yeah, an interesting little challenge, but I don't think there'll be a major problem with it. But these are problems to be solved that will now be gone through by F1 and the teams and, and the, the circuits uh, owners etc so yeah an, an interesting challenge there well thanks very much to Val and Johnny for your insight head to the race.com don't forget the hyphen loads to read there even though there's no race at Imola this weekend check out our other podcasts including MotoGP with Val bring back V10s Formula E IndyCar plenty to listen to and also have a look at our YouTube channel well there may not be no race but stay with us for everything you need to know from the world of Formula One The Athletic.